And I think it's about fucking time we slap some respect on Rod Ryan Nugent Hopkins' name. Rodney Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, nearly slipped. Way to way to absolutely yeah. butcher that that lead up. Yeah, way to disrespect I, his name, Jesus. What's up and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is the Doug Waite episode number 39. Sean, I didn't even take a second to look because he's my favorite player and the Edmonton Oilers need to do something about his number and hanging in the fucking Raptors. How's it going? It's going good. That was a lot. Um, With that being said, I don't think his name will be in the Raptors. I think he's one of those ring uh, ring of honor people. I think so too, honestly. I think the one thing that pisses me off the most about all of it um, is the fact that they allow players it's kind of like that unwritten rule like if uh you're coming to an organization or whatever and you're gonna go play for a team that has a really respected you know player that's played there in the past they're not gonna necessarily be in the rafters right then you should probably get some permission but like if you look at the number 39s that we've had in this organization it's like the disrespect to doug wade is just phenomenal we have Chris Menard, we have Bogdan Yakimov, Anders Nielsen, Alex Chason. Like, ugh. It to just be grinds fair, my gears. Like, Alex Chason is at least like a veteran at the time when he came here. So that was like his number per se when he's coming here. It's not like a rookie coming in. Would you feel uh, the same way if someone came in and took 94? I think 94 is different. You okay? Okay, that's a debatable. We we can go down that path another day, but I yeah, I think I think that's a debatable case there. I mean, Ryan Smith was with the team for parts of eighteen years, like across yeah. eighteen years, and Doug White was with the team for seven. So think about it that way. Uh, I still have different different thoughts there, but that's okay. That's okay. We've got well, we've like, got current. I could sit here and debate about this, honestly. All right, let's go. Let's go. But, like, if you do that kind of shit, then you'll never, nobody will ever wear jersey numbers. It's like nobody can ever wear, like, once Darnell Nurse leaves, can't wear his jersey anymore because he's been here for like 10 years. Never want to see anybody wear Nuge's number or Dry Saddle's number or anything like that, regardless of if they get retired. True. True. But you got to remember that, you know, you. I don't know. You're you're not getting the same kind of point output that you're getting from Doug Wade. Doug Wade eclipsed 100 points uh, once back in the 90s. I thought it was more than that, but almost like a point per game player when he was in Edmonton. Well, let's think about who else was like almost point per game in Edmonton. Because should nobody ever wear Taylor Hall's number four? It, well, it's Kevin Lowe's number four, but Taylor Hall wore it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like it goes back to that too. Uh, so I like ultimately, I, like I I understand retiring jerseys because I think it's kind of cool. But mm-hmm. you have to draw the line somewhere. And that's why they brought in the Ring of Honor in the first place. I think if anybody wore 94, they might get run out of town for it before anything else. But, like, I love Doug Waite. Don't get me wrong. And he was a great player. Yeah. But he was a great player across many teams, not just the Oilers. And I think that's the big difference for me. That's fair. I, I'm going to refuse to uh, continue on this because I am so biased on this take. <laughs> so I think we're going to keep going in circles here. So, um How's it going, dude? It's been a crazy week of hockey. It really has been. Lots of games, lots of 8 p.m. games and 8.30 games, which make me want mm-hmm. to die. But 
what can you do? I don't think outside of the game, no, on the game on the weekend, I didn't get a chance to watch it because I was busy. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I watched the OT in the last five minutes, but these late games during the week, we're right back to this. At the beginning of the yeah. year, we had this problem, and now we're having it all over again. We're probably going to have it in the playoffs when we play Vegas or LA. Like, it's just bullshit, especially the game against Arizona, I think, when it was an 8.30 start and the game did pucked and dropped to, like, 9 o'clock, pretty much. But this is, like, we know that Wednesday hockey is Wednesday night on TNT, and it's going to start late because we have to appease the American National Television Program Network. Like, I don't even know if that makes sense, but it, I, I understand why it started late, and it just it doesn't come as a surprise to me right now. I, well, I'm not surprised because it's been happening for years, but at the same time, like it's pretty much a big middle finger to any Oilers fan who's east of us. Like if you're Toronto or God forbid you're in like the Maritimes or something like that, like good luck watching a fucking hockey game that starts at midnight. That's very true. Like I saw a lot of people being like you Edmontonians that are bitching about a game that starts at nine. Like this game doesn't start till midnight here. Yeah. We we've, it's an embarrassment of riches, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I just think like 7.30 is the latest that I'd be like okay with. And anything later than that is ridiculous. Yeah. But I, to be fair, I saw other people's yeah. opinions though too, where they saw the 8.30 game and they loved it because they like came home from work at like six or something. They get to like chill, mm-hmm. they have dinner, and then the game starts versus like missing the first period all the time because we play in the East at five o'clock, right? Totally, totally, yeah. It's that sweet spot, hey? Well, they really but, need to find it, and that's where I think the 7-7-30 kind of comes in. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, I, I think you're right, too. A couple weeks, we're not even going to have the opportunity to bitch about it because uh, it's all going to be 8 p.m. starts for the little bit. Um, just to recap, uh, back-to-backs essentially against Arizona and Vegas, uh, first at home and then on the road. Uh we were talking last week and we were just hoping for a three and one split over those next four games. And we got a three Oh and one split and I could not be happier there. Well, I mean, I could be one point happier, but still. Yeah. Like my only like thing, like you said, I could be happier is like, if we were going to lose, I would have almost preferred to lose to Arizona than Vegas and beat mm-hmm. Vegas just to make sure they don't get points. But oh. at the end of the day, Three zero and one. How can you complain with that? It was yeah. it was a good week for for the Oilers, and honestly, it's been a good month in general. It really has. I saw a couple different statistics. I know things have changed. It was a couple days ago that the Edmonton Oilers have the best record in the NHL since January eleventh. Uh, I think uh, since the All Star break, right now, the Edmonton Oilers have the fourth best record in the NHL. Like um, Jay Woodcroft mentioned it in a. Uh, interview today and we're recording here on Wednesday evening um, that the Oilers are just finding a way to to peak at the right time and I think that's kind of very comparable to the way that we saw St. Louis a few years ago Uh, maybe not to the same extreme but definitely finding the right time to gel I was gonna say St. Louis was like that on steroids bottom Mm -hmm. of the standings at what the, what was it new year's and then they managed to like win the cup that that was insane and <laughs> yeah. i pray to god no team especially us have to go through that kind of a roller coaster of a season yeah yeah that was a lot that was a lot but uh yeah 
escaping with a 3-0-1 record out of that, especially with the capping it off with a win against Vegas last night. Um, very good week. A big shout out to all of the Edmonton Oilers fans that we're seeing on the road. Like, obviously, I was not shocked to see the contingent that was there in um, Arizona, but even to see it in Vegas too, like that is awesome. That is so cool. I was like, should we be surprised by Vegas? There's probably a lot of uh, degenerate gambler Albertans that go down <laughs> to Vegas. So that's yeah. Well, hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I just kind of figure, you know, with them making the same push, like it's going to be a potential playoff matchup here right away. So uh, well, it's looking we'll more see. and more and more like that potentially too, because if you look at the standings, like at this point, it's pretty much between Vegas, LA and Edmonton. I think Seattle's too far back. With yep. Vegas with 98 points with uh, eight games left. LA with 96 with eight games left. Edmonton with 95 with seven games left. And Seattle at 88, but with um, nine games left. Game in hand, yeah. So yeah, anything can happen. We play LA twice still. Yes, yes. Well, so, very, next, <laughs> very next game too. Yeah, like those, those two games against LA are going to make or break the first round matchup honestly yeah yeah um i was gonna ask you this question but i think i'm gonna save it for next week because we do have a little bit of uh we need to have the recency bias to determine it so um it's just spoiler alert who would you rather play vegas versus la i think we need to see the game against la to see how we compete um i don't know the vegas game so weird on Saturday to see the performance. Obviously, the uh, the overtime shaking out the way that it did. I was a little bit upset, and I was definitely upset the way that um, Kane, you know, kind of threw himself out of play. But he's on the ice for almost two fucking minutes. Like, well, you uh, have to walk up kind of line with happen. that. Like, you want to be mad that they're on the ice for that long in the first place, right? And then right. it's right. also understanding that you might lose your guy. But I mean. At the same time, in another point is like, do I want Kane on the ice string in three on three overtime? He's not exactly mm-hmm. known for his foot speed. I think <laughs> I'd rather have a guy like even Hyman out there. He's more like a better defensive player as well. And then you might even yeah. consider a guy like Yanmark with his foot speed. True, true. Yeah, that's a good counterpoint. Um, but yeah, I wanted to jump into uh, just that recap first because there's a couple things that I think we need to talk about. Um, the The biggest thing that's kind of flown underneath the radar is this triple-headed monster that Edmonton has. Everyone talks about Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and I think it's about fucking time we slap some respect on Rod- Ryan Nugent Hopkins' name. Rodney Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, nearly slipped. Way to way to absolutely yeah. butcher that that lead up. Yeah, way to disrespect I, his name, Jesus. <laughs> but no, honest to God. So uh, I got this from uh, Matthew WJDP on Twitter. Uh, I I would say his last name, but I'd butcher it. Um, he he posted a stat that the the NHL points in March uh, for uh, most points for every single player was 1-2-3 Edmonton. It was McDavid with uh, 14 games and 28 points. Uh, Dreisaitl, 14 games, 27 points. Nuge, 14 games and 24 points, which is, in theory, tied with Nate McKinnon, who had an extra game. Well, like, I think Nuge is just hunting for that 100 points, and at this point, I think it's all but guaranteed 
with what 95 points and seven games left like yeah i can't see him not getting there oh sorry 96 points yeah he's four away four away but it's it's nuts like he was coming into the game obviously with uh 91 points last night and he puts up a five spot like who the fuck anticipated that I don't think anybody really saw any of this season's Nuge coming, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Like, he's having a career year and a half. He might break his uh, career high in points with just his assist this season. He's eight back of his 69 points. Like, I'd, he's just gone to a new level, and he's proving why he was a first overall pick back in 2011. Yeah. Yeah, so some stats that uh, I noticed, there's, um, he's tied currently with Nate McKinnon for sixth spot in NHL points right now. Um, and then there's a tweet from Gregor last night uh, indicating that uh, last night was his fourth four-point night of the year. Of course, he put up five. But in the first 11 seasons of his career, he's only had six four-point nights. And he's never had more than one in one season. Like, does that not speak to that, like absolute like i don't want to say outlier but maybe this is just a a player that's finally found his confidence in playing in the right role well i'm gonna say it right now it's premature obviously because the season's not over but people will need to temper their expectations going forward because i don't think it's fair to expect like this point production out of nuge like i would not expect 100 points pace from him every single year oh no but, no. like, I still think that he's proven that he has another gear. And the reason why he was so off last season is, like, there was something wrong with his shot. I don't know if he was had a nagging injury all year, but he was either the most snake-bitten man alive or there was something going on there. Mm-hmm. And he's really found it with that 35 fucking goals this year. Like, I don't even yeah. know what to say. He blew his career high out of the water in goals. And, like, on top of that, his assists are off the charts, too. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Like, again, I am with you. Like you can't expect this out of him every single year, but uh, I saw a tweet from Pete Blackburn who covers, uh, Bali sports down in the States. And one of my favorite follows on Twitter for hockey, but he's like, is anyone else kind of paying attention to the fact that Ryan Nugent Hopkins has had having like the quietest 100 point season in NHL history? Like, nobody's talking about him outside of, like, us here. Well, considering who he's hiding behind in the in the lineup, in terms of depth, yeah. like, of course he, he's having a quiet season. I think it's hard not to look at uh, guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl and focus all on them. Like, Dreisaitl's having the quietest 116-point season right now, too, because everybody's just staring at McDavid. That's true. Yeah, who is that that... Uh, I saw a, a quote today that was talking about how Again, the same thing, like Leon Dreisaitl's having a, a quiet uh, season, but he's still putting him over 100 points, but it's just showing how like spectacular McDavid is. Like, it's, it's, it's an insane of riches, like I had mentioned before. Like, uh, I don't know. Well, I think I, we easily have, at this point, the best forward core in the NHL. I, at a minimum, the best like top six, just because our top three if not top five players are as good as they are yeah it's hard well, not and you to heard, say that you heard bruce cassidy mention it last night too he was talking about how we tried to play edmonton's game and they're they're just too good offensively like we've got a good offensive group but we're not that good that is huge from a coach 
well, and Boston, that's not really Boston's game outside of like Pasternak, essentially. So, and well, that's Vegas. He's Vegas now. Oh, yeah, shit. Sorry. I, keep for- I keep forgetting that. Yeah. God, that fucks with me all the time. I always forget I know. About that. I know. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of coaches, um, did you see the the clip of what is it, Bunting and Keefe? Oh, my God, Sean. <laughs> what was your initial thoughts when you saw that? Uh, the disrespect of the player to the coach for anybody who didn't see bunting goes to the bench and the coach is like banging on his shoulder, trying to get his attention. He just looks at him and just scoffs at him and just stares off into the distance instead. Yeah. The disrespect like paid there. Unbelievable. Well, it makes you think you always hear like similar to when Tippett left last year, like where they lose the room where the coach Mm -hmm. or the players just don't listen to them. They tune out the coaches and, Maybe that's what's going on there is it might have been more of a one-off situation, but it really seems as though Bunting does not give a fuck what Keith has to say anymore. Which also makes it interesting because the today, uh, I don't know if it was Sportsnet or uh, TSN, they released some rankings of the, the NHL free agency and he was listed as the number one UFA available. I was like, eh, do you want that in your room or? But well, I don't know. I don't know if it's as much as the player, but like... I don't know. You got to wonder what the whole team is going through. And to be fair, I don't follow Toronto that closely. So I have no clue if that's been an ongoing issue or if this was just a one-off thing. Cause sometimes I've like, I think it was, it might've been Woodcroft even when I was listening to an interview where Mm -hmm. you've got to like read the room. And sometimes you can tell that the players are going to react poorly. If you say anything, because they're just so yeah. like irritable that day or something. And part of being a good coach is knowing when to back off and know when it's not a good time to be like, okay, Absolutely. here's what you did wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You would think, sorry, I don't know if you can hear that, but you'd think that there is an accident right outside my house, but, uh, I can barely hear it. Don't worry about it. Barely hear it. Okay. Sick. Keep, we'll keep moving on here. Um, I was just going to wrap things up here where, uh, Speaking of everything going on with the forward group, uh, we're still sitting on Milestone Watch. I know we talked about this last week, about how cool it'd be to see them all get it in the same game. Didn't happen, but we got to see Dreisaitl get his 300th goal. We got to see Kane get his 300th goal last night on maybe the sickest end-to-end rush I've ever seen Leon Dreisaitl make. Um, And we're one away for Connor now. I'm excited to see what happens not even this season, but with these guys going forward for the rest of their career. Yeah. Like just, so uh, it's so awesome. I love it. I can't, I don't even have <laughs> I know I'm trying to keep this a very like positive podcast because of like the recent results. And we always find a way to like criticize certain things, but uh, got to give credit where credit's due. Um, the other thing. So I'll just quickly rip through the ones that we're outstanding here. You tell me where we land. Uh, we have, 97 he's one goal away from 300 sean is he gonna do it no (laughs) okay yeah that's what i thought uh leon dreisaitl 50 goals he's three away yes okay ryan nugent hopkins 100 points this year he's four away he's getting 100 points next game there we go there we go that is the positivity we need in this podcast well to be be honest dude against la I still think McDavid's going to hit 70 goals. I think he can get 10 goals. 70 in seven goals games. in seven games? 
not well, not seventy goals in seven games. Ten goals in seven games. Well, well ten yes. goals. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had ten goals in five games at one point this year. That's true. So yeah, that is true. I could see it. The only reason I could potentially not see it is if he takes his foot off the gas, and maybe he's content with that sixty mark. But at least I would like to see him hit sixty six so he can have the most in the salary cap era. Yeah, I just want him to catch Ovechkin. Hey, yeah. Um, so switching gears to something else that, uh, I have been very guilty of over this entire year. It, I think it's one of those things where it's very apparent that when Darnell nurse fucks up, it's very easy to, um, criticize his play. Uh, his salary makes it very easy to criticize his play. Um, and we've done a lot of bashing back and forth, but there is a graphic that was put up. Um, granted, I mean, you can pick basically any kind of data that you want out of statistics and make it, you know, paint a pretty picture. But, uh, last night during the game, there was a graphic that got put up, uh, that got captured with the even strength ranks for defensemen over the last three years. Darnell Nurse has the most even strength ice time than any other NHL defenseman. In terms of goals, he ranks third with 30. Points, he's in 11th with 92. And his plus minus rating is plus 65, which puts him at plus or puts him in ninth place out of all defensemen in the NHL. Are we over critical of Darnell Nurse? Is that even a question at this point? I think everybody is guilty, like you said, of being over critical of Darnell Nurse because oh, they okay. expect. Okay, I thought you were going the other way. No, they expect the like the world of him. And to be fair, I expect it too, as he's our number one defenseman. And I'm more concerned because he's a defenseman that he plays defense. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. those stats are great. I love to see those even strike stats. And you want to see that out of any defenseman. And arguably, he could, in theory, be point per game if he played first power play unit as well. Yeah, that that was the question that I saw, like, that was posted with the... The thing on Twitter, I I wish I remember who uh, who posted it, but yeah, like it's it's one of the things you have to consider. Like if he did play on that power play, how much more would that boast the statistics? Well, and like, would people maybe be less on his case if he had an extra forty points right now from playing on mm-hmm. that fucking stacked ass power play? Like, yeah, I don't know. I am guilty as anybody as being mad at Nurse. Um, just because, like you mentioned, his contract is quite large right now for his output. But to be fair, he's been playing more and more and more like his contract. And I'm really, really excited to see what he does in the playoffs as a healthy player. Because he was not healthy yeah. at all last year. And I think that really fucked with everybody's perception of his play. Mm-hmm. And now that he's healthy and can play super physical in the playoffs the way that I think his like his physique would thrive, I think it's going to really show. And having either Ekholm or Nurse on the ice just punishing the shit out of you is going to really stack up, I think, on a team in a seven-game series. Yeah. It's depth like we haven't seen before. It's definitely something we haven't seen before. Um, as I'm flipping through just to update my stats page here i'm fumbling over i just came back from the fucking dentist so i'm getting excited and trying to fumble fuck words like statistics is just it's not working out man see that's why i went to the dentist yesterday 
Oh, I did not have a choice. I was one of those, like, if you cancel again, I was like, okay, I got to get this done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so another thing that I stumbled upon today, it's just, it's kind of nice to uh, take a look at how far we've come. Um, there is a little meme, a little pic that got posted. Uh, it showed stats from the Edmonton Oilers team in 2011, 2010-2011 uh, season. And the the stat was basically that the Oilers' leading goal scorer, uh, not even goal scorer, but point getter, was Jordan Everly with 43 points that season. Granted, he had a couple injuries, didn't play the entire year. Um, still 43 points. Connor McDavid has 143 points now. And so I took this a little bit further because I was like, okay, if that's the leading score, like how bad is like the rest of the team compared to what we've done? Because with this three-headed monster, like what does it actually look like? So I went in looking at the Edmonton Oilers right now. You have McDavid with 143. You have Dreisaitl with 116. And you have Nuge with 96. Obviously, these are going to increase over the next seven games. But that total comes to 355 points now. The 2010-2011 Edmonton Oilers, you had Jordan Eberle with 43 points, Taylor Hall with 42, and Sam Gagne with 42 for a total of 127 points. Let, let that sink in for two seconds. It makes me wonder if, like, if you go just goals between McDavid, Dreisaitl, and... Nuge and maybe Hyman if you need to. Did the four mm-hmm. of them have more goals than that entire team did in 10-11? Like, rather than points? Compared yes. to points? Yeah, like, it's probably pretty quick, or pretty close. It's just, that's so, actually an insane statistic to see how far. I know! To be fair, it is um, cherry-picked from the dark days of uh, <laughs> of the decade of darkness, but... I still love it. Let's see. There's 191 goals scored by the Oilers in 10-11. 191? Yes. So we're at 298 right now. And you said 191? Yes, 191. So between McDavid, Drysaddle, Nuge, and Hyman, we have... Uh, We're pretty close. 170? 180? Yeah, 175, I think. Yeah. So just between four players, we almost have much of the entire roster. That's fucking insane, Sean. Oh, it's I. Yeah. I can't even comprehend how bad were we. Well, dude, do you remember like getting the seeing like the lineup and be like, "Oh, dude, we are gonna be unstoppable." Maybe it was just me because we had all of the freaking like rookies coming up, and then you had Payarvi scoring. Uh, that was the same year that he put up the the hat trick in the preseason, and everyone thought he was gonna be the next big thing. Yeah, that's true. So just just to put the cherry on top of this whole little flashback, who was tied third in goals on Edmonton with 18 goals that year? Just a wild uh, guess. Bum, bum, bum. I, I looked it up earlier, and oh, God. Was Mike Comrie still on the team? He was not, but I'll just okay. give you the name. It was Ryan Jones. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> With his 18 goals and seven assists. We we love Jonesy, but like that's one of those things where when he got uh, let go, it's like, 
I I guess, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he had a wow. great year, I'll give him that, but he scored like, what was that, a third of all of his goals in his career in that one season. Holy shit. That is wild. Ah, it's it's nice to take those little snapshots and realize where you're at right now. And uh, so every time I'm I'm watching a game now and I'm flipping through my phone, it's like, remember when you used to be like glued to the TV because you're excited to go see Ryan Jones possibly get another goal? I can't wait to see Ryan Jones maybe yeah. hit 20 goals. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving away to some fun stuff here. Uh, a couple of clips that are starting to surface between Clem Costin and Tony Brar. Uh, this bromance is something that I am signing the fuck up for. This is amazing. Uh, if you haven't seen it, there's uh, first a clip of Tony Brar giving a interview from the bench, and Costin comes up to try and sneak a uh, a squirt down the back of his neck with his water bottle, and he kind of realizes he's there, and he's like, "Just, just do it." <laughs> Uh, one of the most amazing things ever. And then finally, uh, the other clip that's circling around is the uh, the clip he's doing, the interview he's doing back uh, kind of behind the, the benches there as they're walking down the tunnel. And <laughs> just out of nowhere, Costin grabs his mic and just walks away with it. And towards the end of the clip, you can see him kind of put it up to his, uh, uh, up to his mouth and, you know, the blah, 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 blah. Uh, absolutely incredible, incredible clips. I just love seeing players show any semblance of personality. And I can only imagine if the reporter that Costin was fucking with was a Mike Matheson or not Mike Matheson. <laughs> Jim Matheson. Jim yeah. Matheson. Something like yeah. that. Like, could you imagine yeah. the hit piece that would be on Clem Costin right now? <laughs> it's funny, though, because like. Costin tried to engage that conversation earlier this year when he was like being like, oh, I've read Twitter like they don't seem to like you. And that was kind of like the end of it. Well, I Whereas, think he like, realized that he wasn't going to like play along with him like Costin yeah. was like trying to and he just was not having any of it. Totally, totally. Um, looking forward to many more of those clips. The other thing that's kind of starting to surface around in is posted by actually the Edmonton Oilers. There, there's two separate clips that I saw, but it was the uh, Ken Holland tr uh, trade call with Tyson Berry and uh, conversely with uh, Matisse Ekholm. Did you get a chance to uh, look at these? I did. Uh, I listened to the one with Barry. I didn't hear the Ekholm one, but so uh, it seemed very. Yeah official it felt like i was talking to my boss at work listening to that so i'll ask you the same question but just to recap the at home thing he kind of asked him he's like hey i hear you're uh you got a couple kids and uh your wife's pregnant and he's like yeah yeah we're excited but we're excited to come to edmonton he said when she do he said july and ken hall an immediate no like break in the conversation was like oh okay so after the parade amazing <laughs> response that's uh, that's some response. confidence out of him, especially considering I think where we were at at the time before we picked up Echo. No kidding, no kidding. But I'll ask you the same question. Uh, I saw there's a couple people upset with the trade call that he made to Tyson Berry, uh, with the fact he picked up the phone and he said, "Hey Tyson, I've traded you to Nashville." Blah 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 blah, 
and there's some conversation going back and forth on Twitter being like, hey, what happened to hello? How are you? What's going on? Is your family good? That kind of thing. If you were getting traded, how would you feel if someone called you and was like, hey, Sean, how's it going? Family good? What you up to? Okay, so by the way. I think it depends dot, dot, dot. if what part of the year it is. Like that was like trade deadline. So like if you're Barry, for example, you see your phone ringing. You're like, it's Ken Holland. You're like, fuck. Mm. You pick up that right. phone. Like I would rather he not beat around the bush at all and just be like, you know, Tyson, you got traded. And just mm-hmm. get it over with. So Barry's not sitting there being like, is he going to say I'm traded? Is he going to say I'm traded? Like, why are you asking me all this fucking bullshit questions? Like, like it doesn't matter how I am because I don't know if I'm getting traded or not. Because maybe yeah. I'll say I'm good, but then you're trading me and then I don't feel so good. <laughs> no, it's it's very fair. Like, I understand if it's like middle of the off season. And the, the other thing was like, why did he call him on the phone? Well, it's because he has to fucking finish the rest of the day. Um, I, I couldn't remember if it's the day before, day or after. I can't remember when we actually got Elkham. Was it the trade deadline day? Bef- day? I think it was the day before, if right. I remember correctly. But still, the thing is, is like you have work to do. You have things to put into, um, uh, into existence. Like I've been lucky enough to play competitive hockey and coach. And I've been in the room where coaches have called you in and you're like, hey, how's it going? How'd you feel your camp went? Blah, 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 blah. And most of the players are like, shut the fuck up. They're not even listening to you like, at that point. Um, those are on deadline days. Like I'm, I'm going back to your point of um, cut days when people make the team, don't make the team. On trade deadline days where they know if they get a call, like cut to the chase. It's respectful. Give them the answer that they're looking for because they're not idiots. Yeah, like honestly, and people got to remember, hockey is still business. Like, yeah, I, that too. I, like I work in accounting, and if it worked similar to the way that if my boss was just like, yeah, we traded you to this other firm, he's like, oh, okay, cool, thanks for letting me know. Like, it'd be interesting <laughs> yeah. if that was how it worked, but I would definitely appreciate just being blunt and honest about it. Like, the only yeah. thing I really don't like about it is that. Like, I'm hoping at a minimum they ask for, like, both Holland and Barry's consent, especially Barry's, to release that phone call. Because I'd be pretty mad if somebody gave me a call for, like, a seemingly private conversation. And they're like, oh, yeah, we threw it in our uh, documentary. I'd be like, I'm sorry, what? I thought that was a private phone call. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree with you there. And I don't know if you saw the the uh nashville predators when they released we might have talked about this i can't remember but when he walks into the room when they're having breakfast or whatever it is for the first time and he's kind of like just walking around they've got a camera like isoed on him the entire time he's like hi i'm tyson and hi like he looks so sad and out of place i'm like again did you get the okay for this kind of thing or is this just come with the job i don't know well, some of it, I think, comes with the territory just because it's part yeah. of, like, the media part. But the difference would be, like, the private, like, A, phone conversations and B, like, if, say, for example, they brought a, they had a hidden camera in Ken Holland's office and he called Tyson Barry in to let him know that he was traded and sat him down and let mm-hmm. him know. Like, I'd be pretty chapped if they released that. But, like, 
I'm sure they asked and or he had to pre-sign a consent form as part of this whole documentary that you don't give a shit what gets leaked out. Well, and it's funny, too, because like I know some of the the laws down in the States, they have a uh, two party system where. um, uh, Like some some states you can be in where you can release a phone call without any consent and others that you can't. And so, like, I don't know if it falls. I'm kind of with you there, though. Like, I'm not into the politics of it, but you just think as, like, a decency, they'd they'd reach out. But knowing the way that uh, they talk to each other on the phone, like, it, it was kind of cool to see. I, I'm with you, though, when the drop gets to this offseason and they start releasing videos of, like, the contract negotiations, you got to imagine there's a lot of clips falling on the cutting room floor. Well, I would think so. And there might even be been like, like, I'm curious what the phone call with like Paul Yarvey maybe was like, maybe there's a trade or you record that phone call. For example, what if Barry's just like, get fucked, Ken, like right fucking traded me, bro. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like, it could have been that. And they could have put that in. But if it was that, they'd probably be like, yeah, we probably shouldn't use this. Yeah. It was tough to see the, like, or listen to him be like, like, man, I just wanted to see this through. I was like, ah, fuck, so did we. I mean, but. he can take solace in the fact that I think he still gets a ring if we win. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, on a sad note, uh, we have to definitely recognize Bayern Isfeld, the very, very unmistakable Edmonton Oilers fan. Uh, for those of you who don't recognize the name, um, this is the Willie Nelson character that you saw every single time around uh, behind the benches, every time the Edmonton Oilers scored, probably the most excited man in the entire arena. Uh, I saw this posted online a couple days ago, but just wanted to pass condolences there. Um, it's amazing to see how you, you can recognize a fan and put you back in like a certain place of what's going on. Like Every time I see a picture of him, I go right back to the playoff run uh that we had uh a few years ago um just wanted to to pass along those condolences i gotta give him props man like the amount of energy he brought to games considering he was 81 right i would not have guessed he was 81 i would have guessed he was like 65 maybe i know yeah just incredible and it was one of those things that's like if you saw him you're like yeah let's fucking go <laughs> like it's one of those things that made the game just that much more exciting. For sure. Um, okay, wrapping up, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, sounds like they have a uh, the biggest test, I guess, coming up. And I, I say this because it's L.A. It's going to give us a good kind of barometer of where we need to be um, of in terms of like what kind of team we're going to see. Um, and it'll also kind of build that playoff picture as well. Uh, they play L.A. on Thursday, Saturday against Anaheim. Uh, there's a couple games later that week, so we might try to record before before those games actually take place. But um, probably lots to recap. L.A.'s a wagon right now, and uh, I think it's going to be the probably the biggest test we have right now. Yeah, I think L.A., like you mentioned the question earlier and that you were going to ask it next week, but currently as I stand... LA is the team I do not want to play in the first round for what they brought last season in the first round. It was hard to play against them. They're a chippy team. I did not enjoy it. And now I would say they're a much better team with some of the players they brought in and considering that they are fully healthy this year. 
That's very true. Yeah. Uh, don't forget the fact that Anaheim beat the wheels off of us on a Saturday a couple months ago. So that's other other shit to worry about. But I digress. We'll uh, revisit after these two games. Um, Going to have a lot to talk about then. <laughs>